0: This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 923 FM and KTAR.com.
1: This is the Think Tank 2022 Political Award Show. This year our panelists are two former journalists and a former Republican, Steve Goldstein of NPI, NPR, NPR KJAZ fame, and Steve Kraft formerly of uh Fox 10 TV. We have pried these two from their retirement rocking chairs and freed them from the constraints of journalistic neutrality. They're now to free tell us what they really think, as is Chuck Coughlin freed from the constraints of Republican orthodoxy. Welcome to the show, gentlemen.
2: Pleasure to be here.
1: Hi. Well, uh, of the Format of the show is we talk about Arizona for the first half of the show and national
2: for the second half. Let's get right into it. Chuck Coughlin, what's the top story of the year in Arizona? Oh, I think it was the Democrats winning all the statewide seats uh, and the complete failure of the Republicans to appeal to a majority of the electorate. Hard to top that unless
3: you can, Steve. (laughs) Mike, I can't, but I'm going to phrase it slightly differently. I'm going to use the old wide world of sports thing. I'm going to say that the Republicans (laughs) took defeat out of the jaws of victory. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Agony of defeat.
4: <laughs> they snatched it. Steve. Well, I can't say the same thing as you guys. So how about the uh, Dobbs decision, Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. changing the, the map here completely. Yep. And of course, whether uh, and when Chris Mays prosecutes abortion cases until the issue is finally settled by the courts.
1: That'll <laughs> certainly endure. All right. What's the most underreported story? Let me go backwards with uh, Steve Kraft first on this one.
4: Uh, to me, it is that 49.7% of Arizonans are still comfortable with election deniers.
1: Wow. Yep. Something I've pointed out here several times before so, we so congratulate her. So maybe it, party. Party. Yeah. <laughs> it but, I well, mean, that's Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, uh, it tells us something about the nature of the electorate. The Democrats swept, but in order to sweep... Uh, you had to have extremists, and, and they were still close
3: elections, Steve Goldstein. Mike, for this panel, this is not underreported, but I actually think the impact of redistricting was underreported mm-hmm. in this, especially from the congressional map, mm-hmm. because now we're seeing such a shift from that, not just the numbers, but the type of Republicans we're going to have in there. So Juan Siskamani is probably an exception in southern Arizona, but this is a pretty dominant conservative Republican group now. Well, and, and I'd add, and it, it jumps
1: the gun a little bit, but nationally... Uh, You can attribute the entire Republican majority to two court decisions, one in New York that told the Democrats they were not allowed to gerrymander and another one in Florida that said they could, that the Republicans could. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Chuck, um, I'm going to go with uh, the fact that Governor Ducey vetoed uh, 40 years of successful infrastructure funding uh, in uh, vetoing Prop 400, which is the half cent sales tax. Extension to the voters in Maricopa County. I mean, we, we've had 40 years of growth in Maricopa County funded uh, principally by Maricopa County taxpayers in the building of the regional freeway system and the first valley wide transit system. And he took it upon himself to take that opportunity away from voters uh, in Arizona. And we may not ever get it back, and it it may it may die on the vine. And
1: it's and that defines roughly the forty years or so I've lived in Arizona. And I remember we were at the time famously we had one freeway. Yeah, and now there is a spaghetti Mm -hmm. infrastructure of freeways. Okay, we'll stick with you, Chuck.
2: Uh, Person of the year. Oh, you got to go with Miss Carrie Lake. <laughs> you <know, laughs> you got to go with somebody who all they had to do is go to Hawaii, shut up, and they win the election. Mm. Literally, she could have left the state and won the election. And she completely uh, became her own worst enemy and convinced people not to vote for her.
3: Steve? I'm breaking the fourth wall, Mike. Your list actually said top Arizona end of the year? Yes. So I'm going to do the old Time Magazine thing. I'm going to say the independent voter. Mm-hmm. is the arizona of the year because of the impact that independence had on the outcomes
1: well we have a state that is uh still republican by chuck has the best numbers but i think it's around plus six something like that yeah yep. so That's safe. uh and that means a generic republican beats a generic democrat so we did not have
4: generic as Republicans. We go to hawaii. you yeah. yep. <laughs> we go to hawaii put on a hula skirt and you're a winner mm-hmm. steve kraft <laughs> Well, if you're looking at integrity and doing the right thing, I'm going with Rusty Bowers. Great call. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a person of the year. He went to the January 6th committee. He testified. He did the right thing. He paid the price willingly.
1: Indeed, indeed, got beat in a primary by a, a questionable candidate, uh, and and he was uh, an institution in mm-hmm. this state and not clear.
2: And rumor is he's getting a White House uh, medal um, yes. coming up. Yeah, either, that's not uh, not a rumor. Uh, yeah, maybe today. Yeah. yeah. So. So, uh, uh, biggest victory.
4: Well, to me, it's that our election system somehow, uh, you know, was upheld by the voters. I mean, people accepted that we have uh, integrity in our election system and it hung on by a thread, but it hung on.
1: There's three Republican candidates who differ with you on that point to this day. They do. (laughs) but They do. But, But they're increasingly coming across as voices in the wilderness.
4: And I think there are a lot of Republicans who were were happy that the system worked. And I think mm-hmm. most people do believe the system worked. Mm-hmm. I know some don't, obviously.
3: Steve Goldstein. Not by virtue of anything she did in any semblance. I'm going to go with Katie Hobbs, though, to break the Republican mm-hmm. stranglehold on the governor's office.
2: Yeah. Hard hard to argue with that. Yeah, when I'd, Democrat go, wins I, I, I'd go with Hobbs and Chris Mays. I'd sort mm-hmm. of co-chair the, uh, the mm-hmm. honor uh, because of their um, ability to... Uh, you know, snatch a victory, which was clearly not in the cards for them. Flip side of that, Chuck, biggest loser, Kelly Ward, mm-hmm. <laughs> finally, finally proved that she cannot win an election. Uh, absolutely convincingly, has not won an election since eighteen. Uh, and and continued to lose every single time she's been party chairman. I, I thought you so. were going to say eighteen hundred and something.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> so <that> was, <laughs> might <laughs> as well, right?
2: Right? So
1: ancient history in our political.
3: Mike, that's my mm-hmm. list too, and I will just add mm-hmm. the fact that she also got dragged in because of her own misbehavior and idiocy to the January sixth committee stuff. So mm-hmm. she was a total loser in every way. And may, that that may uh, still have repercussions.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, since we're mm-hmm. talking about the insurrection, let me add the name of Mark Fincham. As a guy who was there, who was in in commercials wearing Mm -hmm. that black cowboy hat wandering around in front of the Mm -hmm. Capitol that fateful day.
3: Well, inside joke, then, does that make Greg Patterson a big winner this time around, considering what he said to, to Fincham years ago when he was a member of the Board of Regents <laughs> and told Fincham to stop wearing the cowboy hat yeah. and uh, be Your a fake cowboy? Cowby, <laughs> cowboy fancy duds there. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's from,
4: what, Detroit, right? Am I right?
1: Yeah, exactly. He's a, what's a Texas thing? All hat, no cattle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Steve, uh, a, a more uh, obscure question.
4: Biggest thing that didn't happen. All right. Well, I'm just going to go a little bit off the rails here, and I will say that, that what did not, what did not happen was that, uh, contrary to what Carrie Lake wanted, I don't think the media was repudiated by the voters. I mean, she mm-hmm. came out with this phrase that the, the media is the enemy of the people sitting at the right hand of the devil. And it was mm-hmm. one of the foundational claims of her campaign. And I think ultimately people listened to that and enough people were turned off by that that they kind of tuned her out a little bit. And I think it cost her, in part, cost her the election. Hmm. Steve Goldstein.
3: Mike, I think mine is much more conventional than that. That was really thoughtful, Steve. Uh, Mine is just that the red wave didn't happen. And we Mm -hmm. can talk about because of redistricting or because Republicans nominating odd candidates. I think that was everyone expected that. Maybe Chuck didn't. but Everyone else did.
2: Yeah, the totality of the red wave that was supposed to happen. We were going in. I mean, at the very least, we thought that the legislative majorities in both chambers would grow. It's still at one uh, for Republicans, and again back to the biggest uh, story of the year, they uh, did not secure any of the top state seats, uh, and so I, I I thought that was the the biggest of the year. And I think in part
1: a cause red of that, wave. I think the punditry class, all of us included here now in that category, looked we predicted a red wave more on history than on the actual polling which was actually uncanny and I've been and as you know I've been very critical of what's what's occurred in the polling industry uh, despite a career in it but if you look at the actual numbers particularly if you exclude the partisan polls which were included in the averages this year if you throw those out all these Democratic victories, narrow though they were, across the country, were indeed predicted by the polls. But they I, 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 I got to
2: point out there was a small obscure firm in Phoenix that actually did get it right. Um, <laughs> high ground <Grim> actually <laughs> did go. call it right. On that high note, <laughs> yes. we'll be back
1: in a moment with more Arizona Awards 2022. Back in a moment.
0: The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com.
1: We're back in our 2022 political awards show. Steve Kraft, Steve Goldstein and Chuck Coughlin are with us. The question, we're finishing our second segment on Arizona politics. Only luckiest
4: person in Arizona, Steve. I'll go with Nicole Demont. Who is Nicole DeMoss? She's campaign manager for Katie Hobbs. (laughs) (laughs) I really think she was lucky. You're
1: Uh, making the decision not to debate in particular? Yes, because Mm -hmm. I think
4: I personally, you know, I I think that was a bad decision. Mm -hmm. Because I think had she just said a couple things, like I'm for uh, abortion rights and, you know, Carrie's not. Gotcha. I'm for democracy. She's not. It it would have expanded the margin.
3: So to me, it has to go with the most dapper 70-plus-year-old Republican, Tom Horn. Because no one paid any attention. And I think most people thought Kathy Huffman did at least a pretty good job. Yep. And Tom Horn had, yes, many successful races, but lately scandalous. He sort of, in the debate on Channel 8, did not look great. I would say he was lucky because no one really paid much attention to it. Okay, right?
2: Chuck, down bet. Uh, I'm going to go with our outgoing governor, uh, Governor Ducey, who had eight years of economic wind at his back, unlike previous governors who've had to mm. endure... Major economic collapses. He did have to deal with a bit with the the COVID scare, Mm. but he, you know, three months later, he was open and open for business. But the fact that you get to govern as a governor with the strength of Arizona's full winded economy at your back is an enormous blessing. And he was the beneficiary of that. I
1: got to yeah. make, yeah. make an addition on my part. I, I have a candidate for, uh, for luckiest person in Arizona, Chris Mays. Yeah. When you win mm-hmm. by 281 votes <laughs> in a statewide election, <laughs> you ran a good campaign, but you cannot discount that luck played an element yeah. in that victory. I, I think she'd agree with you. That. <laughs> that also makes Steve's
3: Craft's point about Carrie Lake. I mean, the idea that that many people would have voted for a is pretty alarming, too. Yeah. Chris Mays had been elected to statewide office before. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay, Chuck, biggest scam.
2: Uh, I got I got a co-nomination on this. I have the Indian Gaming Compacts with the governor pushed through, oh, good one, yeah. which completely and ripped did it off the quietly. taxpayers of and, this compl- state. and did it so quietly, hardly and, anybody and noticed. Uh, and then the last one was the desalinization project, which they've pushed through, which I keep asking myself, why don't you cut this with California, build a desal plant in California, just take their Colorado River water, because the plumbing's already there, instead of having to build new plumbing in Mexico? Well, the answer is capitalism, as Bob Robbs point Well, out. you
1: don't think they're really going to build that, do you? Well, I, I, I haven't seen any might, plans.
2: We got, It's really going to be up to Hobbs. Of in course. This, uh, incoming administration. But I
1: didn't see any serious plans to do that. It uh, was just- they've, uh,
2: they've executed contracts, and the first part of the three quarters of a billion dollars is uh, under agreement right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mike, I had two also, kid.
3: and mm-hmm. Chuck said the desalination a lot better than I do. But that was one. My other one is, is such a slam dunk. I cannot get enough of the cyber ninjas. I think they are just—they're the, they, the scam of the century to me. So, and somehow they got Karen Fan to to buy into it. But and they paid a price it. for that. Too, well, right? ultimately, yeah. yes. But and
4: they didn't deliver what they were supposed no. to deliver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show the scam, right?
3: Absolutely. Well, let's not forget about that. Yes.
4: Steve. Well, I'll throw out a couple here. One is and. I don't know how current I am on this, and I may not know all the details, but this Fondamante water deal that the Saudi government has Uh where they're getting water, vast amounts of water in western Arizona at below market rates with the blessing of the state of Arizona. What because a they
1: own, it's a, it's one of those property,
2: because they own the property, they get the water. Right? Yeah. Well, see what the well, they lease general. the property from the state, yeah. and so then the state gives them the water. And right. And so, yeah. so there, there's an opportunity for reform there. And, and Chris
4: Mays may get involved that. in this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's and, there's so no 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 doubt she may about challenge it. it. The yeah. second thing is, going, putting on my TV hat for a minute, Stephanie Hockridge, formerly of Channel 15, mm-hmm. this Paycheck Protection Program, alleged, because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. due, due process is important, uh, but this alleged scam, uh, bogus claim submitted for hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow! Yeah, yeah. well, that That's paycheck, not, that, that, that program was ripe
1: for uh, uh, abuse because there was an attempt to get a massive amount of money out in the uh, economy, no matter what. That it was destined not to have checks and balances and have a whole lot of folks who, frankly, gave money back because the optics, even though they were entitled to it by law, the optics were horrible of wealthy companies that were making a lot of money still were eligible for that. Okay, moving on. Biggest surprise of the year, Steve.
4: Well, I might be naive here politically. I'm sure I am. But I was surprised that uh, Karen Taylor Robeson sat on the sidelines during the general election. After mm-hmm. taking such a strong stance against Kerry Lake, she disappeared. Mm. When she really could have uh, made a stand for, you know, the McCain Republican part of the party. Trying, and, to, and trying th-
1: to preserve a political future, maybe?
4: Well, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's the case. And also that Jan Brewer, after criticizing Carrie Lake, saying, you know, is this some sort of stunt? And all of a sudden you find yourself the nominee. Is this for real? She didn't. Uh, she didn't change either.
3: Mine, not politically, not political in the technical sense. I would say this $4.1 billion sale of the Phoenix Suns because we all heard about Robert Sarver for years, and then all of a sudden, ESPN report explodes it, and now we're going to get potentially yeah. new community leadership here.
2: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I got to go back to Prop 400 when he vetoed that, I just, I I cannot tell you how shocked I was mm-hmm. that he abandoned the business community, the contracting community, the development community, the environmental community. I mean, he, he absolutely bailed on everybody for his good friend, Randy Kendrick in the Club for Growth, uh, who was funding the negative campaign on that and probably writing checks to the RGA to encourage him to uh, follow through on that. Okay. Last round, uh, Chuck, best tweet of the year, Arizona. I got co-nominations for Barry Markson and Garrett Archer for their uh, Mm -hmm. fundamental and consistent defense of our election system. I thought they did a great job throughout the whole process.
3: I'm going to read mine, Mike. It is Garrett Archer as well. (laughs) In response to Kerry Lake's war room, if the country wanted to subvert, manipulate, and destroy your campaign, they would have done it in the primary. I spent almost a decade in retail politics, so I get the game must be played. Hit me up sometime next year. We'll grab a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and right. that was who? Garrett Archer. Garrett okay.
4: Archer. Well, since around the uh, Carrie Lake thing. How about Carrie Lake herself? I'm not going to lie to you. I've had days where I just go, I'm tired, but I can't walk away. I can't say to the children, good luck. I had a great life. I had freedom in America. Good luck and enjoy the communism. <laughs> wow.
2: Okay. Uh, she fa- blocked
4: me. She blocked me, by the way. <laughs> my yeah. favorite. Shocking.
1: I got that second hand. My personal favorite tweet was not an original tweet. It was a response. And uh, the, ori- the original tweet was from Kirsten Sinema, and it was unmemorable. It was one of these what we used to call motherhood kinds of things, you know. Uh, I don't even, again, don't remember. It was something, you know, I'm glad everybody vote. We should all vote or something like that. And uh, Ruben Gallego. Okay, in response of Simple and curt, thanks for
2: all your help. <laughs> I see. <laughs> cutting, cutting. Yeah. Well, that'll be, uh, that'll be a story for another time, right? Maybe yeah. we can discuss that opportunity in the well, upcoming I, uh, 23 Predictions Almost show. for
1: sure. When we <laughs> return after the break, we will have national awards in the think tank.
0: Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com.
1: Mike O'Neill here. We are continuing our Think Tank 22 Political Awards show. We have exhausted the Arizona Awards, and we are now going to do the same on a national level. Our guests are Steve Kraft, Steve Goldstein, and Chuck Coughlin, and... uh, to you, uh, Steve Kraft, biggest story of the year nationally.
4: I go with the uh, Dobbs decision, the Roe versus Wade um, being overturned because it, it's going to have such lasting impact, not just for this election cycle, but 2024, 2026. It's going to reorder the political landscape, I think, in many ways in the country.
1: Yeah, One of the rules of issues like this is that is the losers that are always activated For the last 50 years, the anti-abortion foes have been active and the uh, Mm -hmm. pro-abortion, you know, pro-choice folks have been complacent and that got flipped overnight.
4: Yep. And it's going to go on for maybe Mm -hmm. a couple decades. Steve Goldstein.
3: I think the majority of voters in the country, Mike, decided that Gas prices being high is not great. Inflation being high is not great, but there are more important things than that, even though that affects us on an everyday basis. Because that was what we kept hearing over and over again was, well, gas prices get to $5 a gallon. Too bad. That means Biden's going to lose. That means Democrats are going to lose. And that's a big deal in everyone's lives. But that, that was when you look at actually election issues, it's not just about. Someone's pocketbook. It also is about having belief in the system as well. I think.
1: Well, it, it's the economy, stupid. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes, exactly. <laughs> unless something bigger yes. comes up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and maybe the Dobbs case was one of those. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I and I, I agree. And and interestingly, you know, look at what's happened since the gas prices have collapsed. Is there a
3: conspiracy, Mike? Because I wondered about that a little bit. Like, wow, the gas prices came down so quickly <laughs> after the election. You know, I think we're all
1: way too myopic about that. Our gas prices are a function of world gas prices, and the president of the United States is a very, very minor player,
3: uh, almost insignificant in setting world gas prices. So is it the equivalent of sports when the quarterback gets all the credit and all the blame? And yes, football? Okay. yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah. yeah. And likewise, the OPEC whole economy. Get, OPEC the pre- gets all the credit the, when the economy
1: <laughs> is good. The president uh, gets. Credit, undeserved. When the economy is bad, the president gets blame, also undeserved.
2: Chuck. Ukraine. Um, uh, The uh, Zelensky uh, comment I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. And the inspiration that those people provided uh, this country and their stalwart defense uh, against totalitarianism. I think it's just the most inspirational story uh, by far that can fuel. I mean, Putin brought us together. He he incredibly united the world Mm -hmm. against and focused the world's attention on this cancerous uh, uh totalitarianism which was Alive and well and breathing in this country. And and that was the beginning of the shift. And it had all these consequences, I think, play out all Mm. the way through our election cycle. I I think it's just a a permeating story into everything.
1: I'm just struck by the image of him going in front of Congress. This is a guy who I think everybody, the Russians in particular, expected to hightail it out of Kiev within 12 hours when those Russian tanks were rolling in. He's, I think, became overnight a Churchillian figure. Yep. And, and, and the parallels are direct. And, and, and who has criticized him? There's a couple of guys in Congress who never faced anything more threatening than low poll numbers in their whole life. And they didn't like the fact that he wore a sweatshirt, not a suit. By the way, did you see the picture of what Churchill wore when he spoke mm-hmm. to Congress? <laughs> it was pretty much the same
2: outfit.
4: <laughs> it was uh, Senator Hawley, I think, was the guy who was dumping on him for wearing a sweatshirt.
2: Yeah. How yeah. undignified. There's it was, there's yeah. a winner right yeah. there, yeah. Josh Hawley. Yeah. of, of uh, the guy
4: 6th. Same. The clenched
2: fist yeah. salute
4: outside yeah, the Capitol. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah. okay. To you, Steve, um, surprise of the year. Surprise of the year. Well, to me, it was the old, uh, the repudiation of the idea that all politics is local. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all national. It's tribal. It, it's
1: tribal and it's all national. You look at, you. people are running for local
4: office mm-hmm. on issues that are not at all local, no. Or just running on pure persona. Mm-hmm. The people who are now kind of running the House of Representatives in Washington—that group of twenty—they're running on on their persona, yeah. Their social media. Right. Profile. They're, they're trying to drain the swamp again. Yes, <laughs> but, but so it's changed. It's uh, Tip O'Neill is probably uh, just you know. I, I, I t-
1: Tip was right at the time, but, right. uh, but our world has changed, yep. Steve.
3: That this eighty-year-old president who. No one really thinks is all that good at the job Mm -hmm. that ran in 1988 and had to drop out because of accusations of plagiarism Mm -hmm. who generates almost no support at all in, in a real passionate way had the best midterm election results of almost any president in history. Yeah.
1: And you look at what his
2: list of accomplished legislative mm-hmm. accomplishment. It was quiet. Yeah, that, that is was
3: absolutely
2: stunning. What actually the record <laughs> that he had um, of infrastructure funding, the covid relief bill, um, the gun legislation, um, the gay married uh, gay marriage statute, I mean, all of the things that they, you know, the, yeah. the, the left was all over him. The, the Inflation whole time. Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act. Yep. I mean, the left was all over him yeah. about his failure and, I mean, the negative, And then, this was boom. The guy who almost
3: lost to Bernie Sanders in yeah. pro- Bernie Sanders. Yeah. It yeah. Went, so it was,
2: a, it was a Tom Brady fourth quarter comeback, man. He hit, the, he hit every pass going down did the field. he go to field. Michigan, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think okay. he did. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go blue. And I would add,
1: just for perspective on this, you know, this is almost Lyndon Johnson. But Lyndon Johnson had two-thirds majority. Lyndon Johnson had overwhelming majorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden did this with razor-thin majorities in well, both
3: houses. And I don't know for sure, because Robert Caro hasn't written about it, but did, has, did Joe Biden ever chase someone into a toilet to, to, <laughs> to berate them as, as Lyndon Johnson would be used to do? So?
1: <laughs> okay, back to
2: you, Chuck. Most underreported story. I think the failure of democracy in Central and South America is the biggest underreported story. Hmm. Um, It is the Venezuela and Central American governments have collapsed. And we are seeing the be- the uh, the effects of that at our southern border, and nobody seems to give a sh- uh, give a crap about it. Um, and it is the enduring story of that migration powerhouse that is happening at our border, and we don't do anything about it anymore, uh, other than ignore the collapse of human rights throughout Central well, America. We do photo
1: ops in front of fences. And, and, And nobody, I'm waiting for somebody to go to one of those countries and say, we got a border crisis. This is where it's coming from. These, there's no power on earth going to keep those folks from going north as long as those countries are the hellholes that there are, and yep. and we can do something about that probably for less than we're trying to defend. I mean, we've but,
2: done it in the past. Yeah. I mean, we've done it in the past. And, and not, the always, not always not always with good stuff. <laughs> well, we've had we played a bigger role in that region. It seems like we've completely. I mean, off. we held
1: up a series of right wing military governments that contributed to the. Collapse of civil society in those countries eventually bear a certain
3: certain Mm -hmm. responsibility for that. Steve, Michael, will unintentionally contradict Chuck. Obviously, the the Ukraine Mm -hmm. situation is is an enormous story, but I almost feel like it's underreported in the sense that when the invasion first happened, it was all most of us talked about in a lot of ways. And then, obviously, Zelensky's visit to Congress, Mm -hmm. vitally important. But in between there, I mean, I I think about the the weekly shows that I watch, whether it's Mm -hmm. this week or Meet the Press really full-court press on that for a while. And then Mm. it sort of, kind of, sort of stopped. Like, here, Putin is this evil guy, Zelensky's this hero, but where are some of the details? This was something that, whether hyperbole or not, a lot of people were wondering if this would trigger World War III, Mm -hmm. and now it's sort of, you know, if you look at certain outlets, maybe NPR, maybe the New York Times, these sorts of things, you still get a lot of attention to it, but otherwise, not that much.
1: Well, when Putin threatens nuclear weapons, I think you had to pay attention, and then... (laughs) On sober reflection, it looked more like bluster than... And and you also had this horrible choice. Well, what if he's serious? If we capitulate, we are changing the world based on that threat. So we really can't. Mm -hmm. And
3: besides, it looks like a paper threat anyway. Right. So uh, tough, tough choice. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot more about whether what Elon Musk writes on Twitter than (laughs) whether... (laughs) Nuclear war
1: Because it is, I mean, you know, since the end of World War II, yeah. when we used them, uh, that has been the one thing that has been verboten, and I think that's been a, a very, very good thing for the world, because once you cross that line, even if it's a tactical weapon, you've crossed that line forever, and, and, you, and that, it, it is seen as an absolutely horrific kind of thing that you can't do. And and that is
4: a good thing for
1: humanity if we want to continue to live on this planet. Yeah, yeah. Steve?
4: Well, you hear about it a lot, and we have lots of individual stories, but I still think the most underreported story is global warming. Every weathercaster in Phoenix on the local level should also be designated the global warming reporter. Mm -hmm. And all these things should be put together. Every huge storm we have, every catastrophic cold snap that comes down from the North Pole because the systems are being displaced by global warming.
1: Though I think they should call it climate change because okay. what climate change that's, that's does some, do, it produces... That pulls a hell of a lot
2: better. It, well,
4: <laughs> well,
1: it also is more accurate right. because when right. you change the climate, that's you the, screw things yeah. up and you get heating in some places, you get massive snowstorms right. in others. Someone it,
4: needs to put those together. We need to report that. It's, a, Arizona, it's an it's ecosystem drought. that's yep. disrupted. That's and the, also it's a horrible thing I need a political happen. consultant to yeah. get it. I Thanks, man.
1: So uh, we'll, we'll stick with you, Steve, and we'll go back to biggest missed opportunity.
4: Okay. I think the biggest missed opportunity is a bipartisan border deal in which uh, there's, on the one hand, citizenship for dreamers, a temporary worker program perhaps, in exchange for greatly enhanced border security, maybe something short of a wall, and certainly much tougher visa restrictions. A grand bargain could be had. Both parties seem to find reasons not to do it. That's a missed opportunity.
1: Okay,
3: Steve? I think a chance for all of us to go to Pennsylvania and get some crudité with Dr. Oz. I think that was a miss. But I think that but I think that, that's overall the GOP missed opportunity. Just the idea of, of nominating some of these candidates, Herschel Walker, Dr. Oz, these are the two obvious ones that stand out. And this we goes had a back a couple here in Arizona. Th- well that's true, but, th- but this goes back a number of years. I can't remember the Missouri Senate candidate who said something about how um and he ended up losing, obviously, a race that he was supposed to win. That no, no, women can control; they can actually self abort, basically. Right, right. And if so, the, and so they, this they could, could sort shut of, that thing if, down. If, I Yeah, think, was if the, they were yeah.
2: sexually assaulted.
4: Yes. Yeah. So
3: yeah. this right. seems like another case where missed opportunity for the GOP, which obviously is a running theme for us. But I think that's yeah, uh,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I got to go with uh, Mr. Kraft over here. The unified Democratic control of Congress and the presidency, and they didn't get anything done on immigration. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. I mean, totally mind blowing that they didn't get at least dreamers done, that they didn't get something done. It is a sign to me of how intransigent that problem is. Uh, It's here. It's going to stay here. Um, until a new president's elected or somebody who is going to agree to wrestle this thing but, but, to the ground.
3: But who's going to do that? When we go back to George W. and the Gang of Eight, that seemed to be the, the best chance. But
2: the- I, think the, I think the public is is evolving on that because it's like, you know, what, what do you got to do? What, I mean, what, what you have all these people coming and you absolutely have a problem. You have to have a response. I think to you
1: it. have to answer the Republicans who are saying, border control first. Which is a complete non starter how when you 've got millions of people trying to cross a border you can 't close it well you need and a, half of them coming immigration. in immigration you know it, you got it, it 's got to be a comprehensive package it 's
2: got to deal with the failed cinema, government cinema 's bill had that in it with you know a good deal of resources to the border to create these immigration centers. Um, to, you know, um, matriculate people to begin to matriculate, not just discharge them into the interior of the country, but do that in an orderly way. I'll just add uh, one missed opportunity.
1: I think Democrats in the Senate believed the narrative of Republican wave. And so they played defensive and they didn't pour money into what turned out to be winnable races in places like Wisconsin, North Carolina, where the polling showed that they were within a hair's breadth of taking it. And they didn't believe the polls because because of the historical narrative. With that, we'll break and we'll be back with our winners and losers of the year in the think tank when we return in just a moment.
0: The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com.
1: We are back with Steve Goldstein, Steve Kraft and Chuck Coughlin in our final segment. We are talking about the 2022 political awards. uh, And we're going to start with Steve Goldstein and... uh, Give us your top tweet of the year on a national level.
3: Mike, because you're such a taskmaster when it comes to the tweets, I tried so hard to find a good one from the Lincoln Project because I love their stuff, could not <laughs> find a good one. So I'm going to go back to my media days on this one. If we all know on NBC, the guy who does the touchscreen better than anybody, Steve Kornacki, I have a tweet from someone, some analyst who I don't know. She said, ladies, get yourself a guy that looks at you the way Steve Kornacki looks at his maps. LAUGHTER <laughs> because he loves those maps he is just any district going on he's got the touchscreen going he's very enthusiastic yes yeah Steve, John
4: King at the same yes, he's got that exactly. same thing going yes. Steve Kraft all right uh, <laughs> I love Elon Musk's tweets yeah and there were so many it's just hard to pick winners but I'll, I'll throw out a couple uh, one of them is now I'm going to buy McDonald's and fix all the ice cream machines <laughs> <laughs> how many times did maybe you he should have <laughs> done that first <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true <laughs> would have been a better bet. Yeah. It's but you drive, less do, expensive. They, they never have the ice cream. What is up with that? Yeah. Or they only have vanilla. They don't have chocolate. or They right. can't make a swirl. It's always
3: out. What's so hard about this? Well, was, well he almost went Seinfeld on us. That was great. Oh, no, I'm sorry. What is the
4: What's up?
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to do this, uh, because, but because Chuck doesn't have one, I'm going to have to do this one from memory. And I thought this was just particularly cutting, and I'm going to have to try to reconstruct it. And it went something like this. There is some fish in the brazilian amazon that uh, is, uh, never sees daylight and it's uh, you know it it's born it dies many feet underground and uh, it has almost no contact with any other creature etc and uh, and the and the final line was uh, those fish care more about this issue Than I
2: do. (laughs) I thought, is the fish named a musk fish? (laughs) It would be underground and untouchable to anybody, um, and only interested in its own. I, I, I would. I was. You know, my contribution to this would be the biggest tweet of the year would be Elon Musk because of his complete destruction of the platform. It's just fascinating to watch.
1: You know, you you have to ask yourself, either has this guy been overrated or is he still just
2: a brilliant guy that is way, way out of his lane? Nobody can talk to him. I mean, nobody can. You can't tell a guy that that is that super successful and smart anything that he doesn't already know because he's the smartest he's guy in the, the smartest world guy in yeah. the room and so <laughs> you, you, there is no there there he's going to destroy himself at the end of the day or at least destroy twitter right. and uh, but the thing is i understand it wasn't all that much
1: of his own money his co-investors on that deal are gonna take a bath
4: Yeah, but Tesla's way down too. Tesla's getting too. Oh yeah, yeah. But well, because some of it
1: was, I think some of the Tesla stock price was Elon Musk is a genius, and he does really cool stuff. And now I'm also seeing there are people who are politically saying I'm I'm of the uh, anti-Trump and I'm not buying a Tesla, even though that was the Mm -hmm. coolest car to
2: buy a year ago. Yep. Yeah, he's he's destroyed. I mean, it is fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. It is just a a marvel to watch.
1: Okay, there. The lead-in, Chuck, for you.
2: Biggest winner of the year. It's got to be democracy. Um, the fact that we survived this onslaught from January sixth till now, and the uh, and the opportunities that were there for the country to turn another way, uh, and the fact by a hair people <laughs> stood up mm-hmm. and defended and understood the threat. Um, And choose not to vote for candidates in many instances and just walk away or actually vote for somebody else against what their inclinations probably were on a whole variety of other issues because they were disturbed by the totalitarian influence that was threatening our country. And it's still there Mm -hmm. as we're watching it play out in the House of Representatives with Mr. McCarthy. (laughs) Uh, It's still there. But it is fascinating to watch. My
3: much less deep. She was a political loser, an election loser, but made herself into like the profiles and courage, and that's Liz Cheney, frankly. She mm-hmm. was—I mean, I know that she's she was known to some extent because of her father. I get that, mm-hmm. but Wyoming is not a powerful state—one U.S. representative—and yet because of how she stood out, she really put herself on another plane. Doesn't mean she's ever going to win another election. <laughs> I,
1: I was going to say that she may never not win an, <laughs> another election, but I think in twenty or thirty years, people will be reading about her. Yeah, I agree and And the profiling courage is uh is very apt because uh the definition of that is somebody who went into some th- something because it was right, full well knowing what the personal consequence would be,
3: yeah, yeah, so she's my
1: Steve Kraft.
4: well, especially in light of what's going on in in the House of Representatives right now uh my champion is Nancy Pelosi, yeah. Because uh, people either love her or loathe her, and I understand that you know lots of people don't like her and lots of people love her, but what an amazingly effective leader and rounder up of votes she is. Historically, maybe the greatest speaker ever.
1: And, and uh, the contrast may be even greater because it looks like the strongest uh, speaker in history may be f- followed by the weakest.
2: Whoever that may well, be. And, and that is a testament to her, too, right? Because it allows her to <laughs> narrate her story. And, and it is an unbelievable story.
0: I'm a loser.
2: am a loser. Okay, real quick. We got just about a minute left. Chuck, okay. loser of the year. Uh, biggest loser of the year. I got to go with uh, Trump. And just completely failed uh, to lead the party into anything of a, any, any type of victory.
3: Steve, I will second that. Yep.
4: I'll throw out a couple. Ticketmaster.
3: <laughs> Are you Swifty? <laughs> I'm not. But
4: if I were, I'd be really mad. Crypto True Believers. <laughs> will Smith. Wow. What a bad move that was. And we've got Elon Musk up there and Southwest Airlines until their next $98 sale. Wow.
1: Yep. Great. Great series. Great finale. Steve Kraft, you get the last word. Thanks to you, Steve Goldstein and Chuck Coughlin. We'll be back next week with our political prediction show for 2023.